Um, today I'm going to start with posing a question to everybody. Now, I don't want you to read into this question because that's what I do. I, I don't want you to think about what are the motives behind the question. I just want you to answer. If I was to say, don't answer it out loud, ponder it in your head. There'll be one of you, I know. Love or comfort? That'll be the question that I pose and ponder this morning. And as we work our way through Scripture, my guess is that love would be the more popular option. For me, I would prefer be uncomfortable in life and it'd be difficult, but still have the ability to give and receive love rather than be comfortable and be without it. Who agrees? I remember when I was a young man and I was in love with a young lady by the name of April. And we went on a, a trip and we were on a bus and we were heading back from Queensland and I slept on a floor so that April could have my seat and her seat and be comfortable in the overnight journey. I was cold and I was uncomfortable. Yeah, give me a hand. I've been waiting 25 years for this hand. And I was in love more than I was concerned about being comfortable. You know, recently I have been in an attendance wedding season. I had at one point conducted six weddings within our church within seven days. None of my pants fit. Everybody's always, you know, it's the canapes that get me every time. You go, you eat the canapes and then you're full for the main thing. Is anybody else like that? You know, and then it's like love or comfort. Well, I don't want to offend them. I'll keep eating. But this scripture that I, I constantly turn to when I reflect on love is 1 Corinthians 13. And I, I read it from a paraphrased translation, but it says this, If I speak with human eloquence and angelic ecstasy, but don't love, I'm nothing but the creaking of a rusty gate. If I speak God's word with power, revealing all its mysteries and making everything plain as day. And if I have the faith to say to a mountain, jump, and it jumps, but I don't love, I'm nothing. If I give everything I own to the poor, even to go to the stake to be burned as a martyr, but I don't love, I've gotten nowhere. So no matter what I say, what I believe, what I do, I'm bankrupt without love. In my opinion, the greatest seed that we can sow as a believer, the greatest way that we can represent the gospel of Jesus Christ is to love the world like Jesus. I was recently sent a paper. I uh, love researching. I love trends. I like looking at stuff, seeing, uh, try to be on the cutting edge. And uh, somebody wooed that, you know, that I uh, appreciate you for my efforts, whoever that was. Uh, and I often read American statistics, which are different. Uh, they are like us in that they're a Western church, but they are different. But recently I got sent a uh, McCrindle uh, research paper that was titled Faith and Belief in Australia, a National Study on Religion, Spirituality and Worldview Trends. Now, here's a statistic that's really stuck in my mind. Whether you are a Christian or not a Christian, love is the attribute of Jesus that Australians connect with most. 56% of what Christians are in, in this research described as a non-Christian that's warm to Christianity. 
56% of those that were asked actually go, love is the number one drawer for me when it comes to Jesus. Love is influential. You know that as communities of faith, as the church continues to love communities, it's being seen. 76% of Australians that were in this article feel the church is making a positive difference in their community. Love. Love is influential. One of the greatest repellents, one of the biggest turnoffs in our society, according to this paper, is philosophical discussion. I'm going to be smarter than you and argue better than you and beat you into submission of faith. Australians go, I don't even want to be your friend. Because they're not interested in that. The greatest and highest ranking attractor is seeing people live out genuine faith. See, Matthew 22, 36 says, Teacher, what is the greatest command in the law? And Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commands. Love or comfort, in my opinion. Love is better. Love is greater. It rates higher in the economy of God. It has more impact on the world that we live in. And sometimes love will cause you to be uncomfortable. Love will push you to places where you don't feel comfortable but love is greater. Now that I'm a father, I think back constantly to my childhood and realized what my parents truly did to give us opportunities. I know that a lot of you have heard many times because it must have, must have embedded something in me. But my first job was at Hungry Jack's, earning $4.18 an hour. And I thought I was baller. I was like, I am, I am loaded for $4.18 an hour, my mom let me stay up on holidays so that I could do the closed shift. So while I'm in there earning $4.18 an hour, my mom is waiting in a car with fogged up windows, cold, watching me slave away. And she, I'd get in the car and it was, only ever, it was only ever that she was proud. You work so hard. You're being so diligent, a parent speaking truth into the child. Now I look back on those moments and I think, you could have given me 20 bucks to stay home and you could have been in bed. Like literally, she could have given me a pay rise to not go in, but she picked love over comfort. She goes, this will develop my son. This will teach him work ethic. This will set him up for the future. So I would prefer be uncomfortable and not in bed, sitting in a car, watching him run around in order that he's developed. Love meant mum was happy to be uncomfortable. Love will push you to those places. So today as we go to Acts chapter 16, my premise, my goal, 
What I believe my assignment is, is that if you truly love someone, you truly believe that Jesus Christ is the hope of the world, feel a little bit uncomfortable and make an invitation. Because love should be on your scale of priority greater than feeling awkward or feeling uncomfortable. Love is greater. So Acts chapter 16, Paul is on another missionary uh, trip. Uh, he's on the way and he feels that God has called him to a place called Macedonia. Uh, he, he has a dream and he feels, hey, this must be the place that God is calling us to, to preach the gospel. So he travels, he brings his friend with him. He's got Silas um, and they're off and they travel for a, a moment, trying to set up the context. And uh, they've ended up in Philippi, which is like a major city in, in Macedonia. And uh, they're there, they've seen some people saved. They've found some accommodation. And now we walk right into this moment where we're going to look at Acts chapter 16. We're going to start in verse 16 and we're going to read down to 34. One day, as we were going down to a place of prayer, we met a slave girl who had been, who'd had a spirit that enabled her to tell the future. She earned a lot of money for her master by telling fortunes. She followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, these men are servants of the Most High God and they have come to tell you how to be saved. This went on day after day until Paul got exasperated that he turned and said to the demon within her, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her and it instantly and instantly it left her. Her master's hopes of wealth were shattered. So they grabbed Paul and Silas and dragged them before the authorities at the marketplace. The whole city is in an uproar because of these Jews, they shouted to the city officials. They are teaching us customs that are illegal for us Romans to practice. A mob quickly formed against Paul and Silas and the city officials ordered them stripped and beaten with wooden rods. They were severely beaten and then they were thrown into prison. The jailer ordered, we need to focus this bit because this bit sets up the narrative the jailer was ordered to make sure they didn't escape. So the guy that's running the prison is ordered to make sure that they don't escape. So what did he do? The jailer, verse 24, the jailer put them into the inner dungeon and clamped their feet in the stocks. Around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the other prisoners were listening. Suddenly, there was a massive earthquake and the prison was shaken to its foundations. All the doors immediately fell open and the chains of every prisoner fell off. The jailer woke up to see that the prison doors were wide open. He assumed the prisoners had escaped. So he drew his sword to kill himself. But Paul shouted, stop, don't kill yourself. We're all here. The jailer called for the lights and ran into the dungeon and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, along with everyone in your household. And they shared the word of the Lord with him and with all who lived in his household. Even at that hour of night, the jailer cared for them and washed their wounds. Then he, ha he and everyone in his household were immediately baptized. Last verse. He brought them into his house and set a meal before them. And he and his entire household rejoiced because they all 
believe in God. Father, speak to us today through your word. We love you. And everybody who agreed said, Amen. Amen. So comfort or love is the concept that we're, we're working on here. And, and my first thought when I, I pondered upon this scripture is this. Uh, there's more at play than comfort. Often there's more at play in your world than just your own personal comfort. You shouldn't get caught up in it. Now what's happening is we see in verse 23 that they've been severely beaten. Not just a slap on the wrist, but they've been stripped down and embarrassed, devalued and beaten with rods and thrown in jail. You know, I literally, if I was to set the scene, after all that roughing up, they would have been bloodied, they would have been sore, they would have been uncomfortable. If they're chained to stuff, I can't see them providing a bed and a basin. They're in a dungeon. The jailer asks for light so it's dark. It's cold. You're bruised. It's midnight. You're probably exhausted. You know, it's crazy. They begin to sing and pray. You know, if my garden gets overgrown and I mow the grass, I'm so exhausted, I'm not singing at midnight. They've been beaten. And yet they're singing. Now, what I'm so interested in is the thought that there is more at play than their comfort. Because what do I see in the Scripture? Well, in verse 25, it says, Around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening. They've been an example of faith. This is an incredible example of joy in all circumstances. My gosh. But when everybody is listening, can you imagine being in that dungeon? I, can, I can't guarantee you, but I, can, I, I believe that that wouldn't have been a natural response that people would have. Hey, I've been beaten up. I've been thrown into an inner dungeon and now I'm going to be singing and worshipping a God. Can you imagine those listening? They would have been like, what is up with those guys? That faith must be sincere. Because why the heck, when everything has gone wrong, their perspective is that their God is still good. That is amazing. More at play than just their comfort. Absolutely, they're getting an opportunity to be a witness to the world around them. Have you ever thought that when you're in an uncomfortable circumstance, there's more at play than just you? Constantly, I would have been making the prayer, God, why am I here? Would anybody else been praying that? What have I done wrong? What do I need to repent of? But rather the perspective I believe they had is, God, what am I here to do? What do you need me to do? So for us all here, I want us to learn to expect that the uncomfortable is just part of our journey. Being uncomfortable is okay. It's part of the journey. I started thinking about it. 
to have a conversation in our society, keep it appropriate, pick your time, but can still feel awkward. But don't let the uncomfortable feelings stop a God-given opportunity to be a witness. Paul and Silas didn't. Love cuts through. In verse 26 to 28, it's so clear to see that that earthquake was supernatural. It was supernatural. As they're singing, an earthquake hits. Who remembers the earthquake we had here locally a few years back? Was it a few years back? Felt like a few years back. Yeah, wow, everyone knew the date. Well, good for you. It was like, whoa. It's like, this is when it happened. But you know what? Every door didn't swing open in my house. And I am so, am like, God, you are amazing. If the chain is on your ankle and the earthquake causes every door to, to fling open and chains to fall off, it is a supernatural occurrence. God has moved for a reason. Now what's happening in that moment is the jailer comes down. Now it's, I think the beauty about the Word of God and, and these stories in the Bible is that I think that the more you think about it, you get questions, but then you're like, God, that's amazing. God, it's so amazing because like if they're in a dungeon, it's probably dark. How do we know this? Well, the jailer asks for a torch. So then if they're in the dark, how does Paul know to go, no, don't, don't kill yourself. How does he know to do that? There's something supernatural going on. There's something supernatural going on. The jailer comes down and he's in a panic. Now in Roman culture, this is very interesting that if... You are the jailer, the prison guard, and your prisoner escapes, their punishment becomes yours because you let them go. So if they're the death penalty and you let them get away, guess what happens to the jailer? He gets the death penalty. Now, can you imagine the scenario that he comes down and every door is open? Every door is open. The chains have come off them. This guy's thinking, collectively, I'm in trouble here. This is the best option for me. But Paul calls out, stop. We are all here. Paul and Silas are sitting in that jail. And if I was sitting in the jail and my chains fell off and the door flung open, I would have been like, God has given me an opportunity to leave. Would anybody else be like that? I'd be bold. I'd be like, hey, guards, you can't stop me, man. Did you just see what happened? Don't make me pray again. I'll sing. I've got the hymn. Then Silas comes in with the guitar. Can you just imagine it? I would have been like, the doors are open because this is my moment to leave. I'm uncomfortable. I'm beaten up. I'm not sure what's going to happen to me and God has opened the doors I must walk through. It's my up my moment. I don't know why I'm doing this. I'm just having fun. But what happens is that Paul and Silas would have been aware of the punishment that was available on what would have happened to the jailer. So instead of being comfortable and seeking greater opportunity, love made them stay. I will stay in an uncomfortable circumstance in order that that guy can see that we love him. He screams out, stop, we're all here. 
And then he comes down because love cuts through. When I look at this moment, the jailer comes down and runs and falls at their feet and he doesn't say, who caused the earthquake? He doesn't run down and go, how did you get all the prisoners to stay? He comes down, he says, how can I be saved? Sirs, come out and tell me, how can I be saved? In that moment, he had recognised that there was a genuine faith in them. There was a real God that loved them and they had stayed so that he could not be punished. And he's like, what is in you that causes you to love me this much? It was Christ emanating out of them. They stayed in an uncomfortable circumstance in order to have an influence for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Sometimes we need to understand that love may lead you to uncomfortable circumstances. Invitation can be uncomfortable. Offering prayer for someone can be uncomfortable. Supporting a friend in crisis, but you feel, man, this is going to make my life a little bit more complex at the moment, but I need to support that person because I love them can be uncomfortable. But let love lead you to uncomfortable places. Because love is better. If you truly love Christ, you truly believe he is the hope of the world, which I do. Let God put you in places where you can have an influence. And if being uncomfortable is the indicator of a red light, I would ask that you would reevaluate that thought and ask the Lord, where do you want me to be? How can I love my neighbor as myself? You know, it's interesting. Galatians 5.13. You brothers and sisters were called to be free, but do not let your freedom to, um, but do not use your new freedom or your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather serve one another humbly. In this context, what he's talking about is he's saying, hey, just because you've now come to Christ and, and there, there are certain things that you don't have to do anymore, you walk in a new freedom because of the grace and the mercy of Jesus. Don't let that freedom make you so comfortable that you have to remember that that new freedom is now to serve and love one another. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love moves you to uncomfortable circumstances. I feel faith is rising. Hallelujah. Because love has a flow-on effect. I've asked five guys if they could come and help me. I want to give you an example. And I might get Andy if you come and jump on keys. So, if you guys want to spread out kind of where the singers are or were, it's going to, love has a flow on effect. Remy's given great leadership. Does everyone agree? Good job, mate. All right. I just want to look at this for a moment. Love has a flow-on effect. No questions right now, Remy, just to pay attention. 
to be the one you pick up next. I probably could have planned this out better. Bear with me a moment. Okay. Love has a flow-on effect. Paul and Silas are on mission. They're off to spread the gospel. They're doing their thing. Serving God. They get put in jail. What happens? The earthquake happens. Now at that moment, they could have left. They could have escaped. In the mayhem of everything, they could have left. They could have gone, it's going to be better for me to get out of this place. Now, if that had happened, what was the flow on effect of that? The jailer ceases. Probably should have added a D. Eh. The family mourns. The jailer ceases and the family mourns. Now, I want you guys pop them down, pick up the next one. They're on mission. They experience the earthquake. They stay because of love. The jailer is saved and his family is saved and they rejoice. Now, let's think about it. Someone had to stay in an uncomfortable place in order to have breakthrough. When I think about my story, Somebody had to stay in an uncomfortable place so that my dad could be the first person in my family to receive the gospel of Jesus Christ. But then my mum was saved and then now we've encountered the love of Jesus and now the flow effect is my kids have received the love of Jesus. We rejoice as a family because somebody was willing to stay in an uncomfortable place for my dad. But the flow on effect is that the family now rejoices because they believe in God. But sometimes the transition stays here. They escape to be comfortable and the whole flow on effect could have changed. Now we know in Scripture very clearly that the flow on effect is up to God. It is up to God. Some sow the seed, some water. It's up to God to make it grow. But our role is to participate, is to be obedient. And I don't want to run to comfortable places if there is an opportunity for somebody to be what they were to my dad. So that flow on down the effect. Now my, my children have had an opportunity to hear the gospel. We're called to live in these places. So I'm like, well, how do we, how do, we do this then? How do I provide an opportunity for you to feel a little bit awkward? because love is greater. So the idea that I had in prayer was that we would create a little hamper. So this bag says, Happy Easter from Uni Hill Church. In it, we've got small bags so they look full. We got in it, 
a packet of hot cross buns. Thank you to the local supermarket for partnering with us to get that happening. A little Easter egg. But the important thing is there's two things in here. There's an invitation to our Easter service. And there's some information about Alpha. Now your job is to come down the front, collect a bag, collect a hot cross bun. It's one per family, please. One per family. You're welcome, Jordan. A bag, a hot cross bun, an eggs, and two brochures. Now, let me explain to you the flow of the brochures and why we set things up. This is my prayer. You invite somebody that doesn't know the love of Jesus. You've done your job. Your job is done. I'm proud of you. I'm excited that you stepped out in faith. But my prayer is that some people say yes. And they respond to Jesus. And then you take them to Alpha. And we get eight weeks where we can continue on that journey. And here's the next plan. They come, praise God. They don't get saved. And you invite them to Alpha and we go again. Or you invite them and they say no to church. And then you invite them to Alpha. Let's skip church altogether. Because I don't really, the outcome is Jesus. The outcome is Jesus. But are you going to be like, it's awkward. Last time I invited them, they said no. I felt awkward. So I don't want to go back to that place. Well, Paul and Silas said, hey, I can get out of here. But I choose to put myself in an awkward position in the prayer that this guy will find the love of Jesus and the flow and effect, his whole destiny was changed. I don't want to be a comfortable church. So I'm asking you to get uncomfortable. We keep sharing this testimony. Gee, I'm putting pressure on it, but I've invited my brother-in-law. He's coming and I'm going to be inviting my neighbour again and again and again and again. Because it's okay to feel uncomfortable because to me, I love them and Christ loved them and Christ died for them. And if He was willing to give up His life, I'm willing to keep trying to provide an opportunity. Now, like I said, there are many approaches. Do not feel condemned if you don't have words. Hang it on the door. Put the invitation on the top. Great. That's for somebody. For some other people, it may be a conversation. Hey, uh, our church have got these little hampers. And you know what the goal of the hamper is? We just want to bless people. It's Easter. We're grateful for Christ. So we're trying to show some gratitude. Uh, Here is some hot cross buns and an Easter egg and a nice little bag for your family. But I've put in there an invitation. If you're available on Sunday morning, do you want to come to our Easter service and have a look at what we're actually celebrating? That's it. You know, it doesn't have to be anything awkward or, or too spiritual. I've been praying for you. God put you on my heart, the blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. Don't do that. You know what I mean? They're not going to eat the hot cross buns then. But we need to get uncomfortable. So this is what I want you to do. Gather as a family, if you came with family. If you're by yourself, I'm going to pray with you as you pop down the front. I'll do a 10-second prayer. I want every family quickly get together. Say, God, we're going to take a bag, a hot cross bun, some eggs and some invitations. 
would you help us to get an opportunity? Would you give us an opportunity to invite someone to Easter? And then we're going to put out extra chairs. We're going to get ready. We've got items. We've got videos. You know, we're trying to pull off stuff that if it doesn't work, we'll have a great laugh. But we want God to move. I want people to find the love of Jesus and I'm willing to be uncomfortable for it. So why don't we stand for a moment? I'm going to pray. And this is what we'll do. This will be the process. You'll come down this side with your family. Grab the bag. Grab the hot cross buns. Grab the eggs. Grab both invitations. Easter Alpha. Okay? Then what I want you to do is grab your bag. Head back to your seat. We're going to worship God for a moment. And then I'll close the service. Okay? So while these guys begin to play a little bit, why don't you gather with your family, quickly pray, and then I want you to come down the front. One hamper per family. So why don't you do that now? I'll be down the front with April, and we'll be praying with those that want some prayer.